also welcome everyone to the Legit Money Club. Today on December 9th, we're going to do a special version of the club. We have a very special guest, Mr. Brandon Weber, um, who's a seasoned insurance professional and a Xavier alumni. Yeah, sorry, Xavier alumni, um, along with Dwayne. Um, and he also has created his own special version of Monopoly based on Xavier University. We're going to hear more about that. Um, he's also passionate about closing the wealth gap, especially for black and brown communities. So we're really excited to be talking to you today, Brandon. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. Cool. So to get started, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself and what about Legit Money Club um, kind of resonates with you. Yeah, so I'm originally from Compton, California. Um, I know for, for you, uh, you Bay Area residents, having a Southern California person on is a little different. But, uh, you know, originally from Compton, California and uh, decided to attend Xavier University, which for me, not knowing anybody that really went to college coming up in a similar environment that I think a lot of you have. And, you know, um, it was really a big deal. Uh, and it, it was really one of the best decisions that... Uh, that I made in my life. So you mentioned season, season for you young people. That just means I'm old and I don't really want to say it. So uh, that's, a, that's what that means. That means I've been in the insurance industry for a long time. Um, and, you know, I, I just wanted to create my own lane and do different things. And uh, just, you know, if I may just, just salute to, to you three, to, to Tone and uh, my frat brother Dwayne and, uh, and, and alum just for, for the work that you're doing you know, the awards and, and, and things that you want the recognition is warranted. So yeah, that, that's, that's it on me. I mean, that's a little bit about me. Well, you know, working in insurance, like, you know, insurance is always like in case something yeah. happens. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for the lay person that doesn't understand, you know, the logistics of insurance, like how can you explain that in layman terms? Yep. So now that's a great question. So I'll just say this. Insurance is the least sexy thing on the planet. Nobody grows up, even myself, and be like, you know what I want to do? I want to be an insurance agent. Nobody says that. But insurance is just that. It's just in case. But here's the beautiful thing about it. It's regulated by the state. So if you're going to purchase a car, you're not driving off the lot without insurance. If you're going to get a home, you're not, dry, you're not closing on your home without insurance. These things are mandatory because if something happens to your asset, your property, your belongings, how are you going to pay for it? And if you're not willing to pay for it in full by yourself, then you get insurance. So it is just in case. And it's one of those things where I'm pretty sure if I said the gecko, everybody in the chat will say they know what company that is. If I say, you know, like a good neighbor, Everybody would know. So think about it this way. There are billions of dollars being spent for you to be able to do that for that just in case. Now, what I do is I do the same thing for athletes, professional entertainers, Olympians, recording artists, you name it, executives, because they still need those services just in case. Nice. Thank you for that breakdown. So since you mentioned like even you growing up, you weren't like, oh, I want to grow up and be an insurance provider. Um, mm -hmm. How did you get into that field? And when you were growing up, what were you thinking about doing um, as a career, if anything yeah. at all? Yeah, no, I wanted, I mean, you know, my, my career aspirations, I always want to do something involved in, in money. Um, you know, I grew up, like I said, I grew up in Compton, California, 80s, 
late 80s, early 90s, where, you know, it, it was it was it was like that. So I knew I didn't want to stay around. I knew I wanted to do something different. And I was like, OK, I'm either going to work for Nike or I always knew I wanted to work for myself, um, no matter what that looked like. So, you know, I, I'm sneakerhead, so I love shoes. I was like, OK, if I work for Nike, cool. Then that means I'll be able to get shoes for free. And that's really all I wanted to do. But uh, I got into insurance accidentally. I worked in professional sports for a little while. So I worked for the Clippers. My job right out of college, I worked for a company. And you talk about insurance being born. I sold sandpaper and tape for 3M. I made money doing it though. So, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't get on me. But I sold sandpaper and tape. So a lot of times people are like, you know, they want like the, the, the job that has all the appeal and what have you. I took the job that nobody wanted and probably made more money than all of my friends. So I did that and I stumbled upon insurance. Um, you know what got me into insurance? Really, my mom died in 2005, tragically from, you know, from terminal cancer. And seeing what that process was like, going through that process and seeing how, what kind of impact it had on families in my communities. Remember all the fish fries and barbecues to raise money for people to bury people. That really bothered me. So I was like, well, what can I do, you know, to help that? And then at the time I was like, well, I can really stay in professional, or I really want to be in professional sports too. Let me try to, to figure out something where I can do both. And, you know, I was like, all right, well, I'll do insurance for a little bit and just go back to, you know, go back to working in professional sports. And next, you know, I look up 10, 11, 12, 13 years, 14 years now later, I'm still here but it's really to help people and, and to help family and try to get information to people where if I'm not giving it to them, how else would they, you know, how else would they want to even get that info? Nice. Yeah. So it sounds like it was kind of a, a big personal reason, personal push that got you in the industry. For sure. For sure. Yeah, but absolutely. I mean, you know, you go through that and me just seeing that effect and, and it was just crazy, literally in my community, on my street, it was happening to person after person after person. I was like, okay, it'll be a house fire. And I'm like, well, how y'all, how y'all deal with that? Or somebody else would pass and just, just, you know, calamity things that are happening kind of successively. And I say, man, I, I got to do something. I got to figure out how to, how to help my, my, my community, but then learn this, learn this, and then kind of bring that information back. Yeah. So since you mentioned that you know, you looked up one day and it was like 11, 12 years have passed with you working in this industry. What, what is it that you, or what are a few things that you love about your career? Yeah. So I worked for a fortune 100 company for the first 10 years, um, was in management, worked my way up. Um, and then about four years ago, I went out and started my own because I felt like I can do my own thing. I was like, nobody is talking specifically to you know, just demographic, big company, they're going to have their way that they're going to go about it. I said, you know what, there's some needs I can feel. So one of the things I love about it is no day looks the same. Not one day looks exactly like I'm talking to people. And what I do now with my own company, I mean, literally, I can be in a stadium one day in a boardroom the next day, you know, COVID before COVID or, you know, on the phone, with underwriters all day. Nothing looks exactly the same, you know, and, and, it, and, it's, and it's fun. And I love about just having that aha moment, sitting down with the family and being like, okay, look, you know, God forbid if something would have happened to, to Nana or grandma or mom, 
what's the plan? And they're like, I don't know. Well, did you know you can do this? Because sometimes we see these things on TV. We see, oh, well, you know, this person had a trust or, you know, these accounts. We hear these terms and we think it's only reserved for a certain group of people. And it's so not. And it's, it's so not. It's so easy. And the intellect and intelligence we have in our own communities, the genius that we have in our own communities, we could figure this out and more. And the other thing I like about it is insurance is, is quiet money. Insurance, you get to the bag, but it's quiet. It's not as glamorous as some of the other stuff. So if you look at how many, you know, millionaires and how, what that looks like when you understand residual income and what that looks like to get paid in your sleep. So this is for my young people. Okay. I get paid in my sleep. And I don't say that to brag. I say that with the utmost humility. But I just want you guys to think about different things and different avenues that you can do where the goal is really to get paid in your sleep. Right. Um, after my mother passed away, uh, I started a living trust. So what is the difference between having a living trust and just having basic insurance? Oh, my goodness. You, now you you right there on my street speaking my language. And that's what really changed, it, changed the game. So I'll tell you the difference. But Basically, a living trust is like a, a person. It's like an entity. It allows things, allows like houses to pass, cars, everything just to change ownership without you having to reapply or go through the headache. So you think about it. And, you know, for you young people, you're probably not even thinking about this. But the last thing you want to do is make phone call after phone call, have headache after headache, and then end up in what's called probate. So let me break this down. Probate is where you go before a judge and the judge decides what happens to your family's assets. So think about the house, everything that you know that you may have grown up in and having a stranger dictate what happens. So the difference is the trust is one thing, the life insurance is another, they work together. What the life insurance does, it says, in the event that something happens to a loved one, there is money that is paid out to you. So that's, it protects you so you can take care of things in their absence. What the trust does, the living trust in particular says, these are things that I want to happen. And what makes it living is you can make changes to it, as opposed to some things that's called like an irrevocable trust or, you know, you, you can make changes. It's a living, breathing thing. It's like another person. And it's, it's a secret. I'm gonna let you guys in on a little secret. You know, you think you think about all these families, the Kennedys. Well, you guys are probably too young to know the Kennedys. Let me think of somebody else. <laughs> uh, let me think. So who's probably like the Trumps? Feel what you want. The, the, the Trumps. They have trust and things where assets pass for generations to generation without anyone being able to touch it. And you don't get the government involved. You don't get the probate courts involved. I literally had a house at 24 and all I had to do was go down to LA County, sign my name to the deed. And, you know, I took ownership of it. That doesn't happen without a living trust. So that's like a secret weapon that you don't have to be a millionaire to even people think, oh, that's only for millionaires. No, it ain't my mama wasn't no millionaire. <laughs> but, you know, she she just had a lot of game and a lot of foresight to get that done. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a millionaire by part, but uh, my mom, when she passed, she didn't have a will. So I'm glad we bypassed the probate because my father was still here and he was on the loan 
for the home. And then when he passed away, it all came down to me because we set that living trust in place. So I'm just letting the kids know, like, this is sometimes you have to figure out the situation at hand and, uh, you know, go at it accordingly. Do what you're supposed to do for that situation. It's not easy losing parents, you know, and, and um, I had no clue on what they were doing behind the scenes. And I know a lot of our youth, they don't have any clue on how to handle anything if I was to disappear. You know, like if my daughter is on here right now, if I was to go, like, what would y'all do? You know, so that's why I set up the living trust. So I want my kids to understand that, like, this is a serious thing, you know, as opposed to insurance. I could have did the insurance, but living trust sounded more feasible for me because I was able to not manipulate, but, you know, dictate exactly what I want for them before I go. And that, and that I love that because you're thinking generationally, you're thinking beyond yourself and you're doing what we are called to do. And especially from a manhood perspective is leave inheritance to generations behind you. So they think about this too. Something to think about the life insurance complements the trust in that the life insurance is what funds a lot of the, a lot of the trust or you won't get taxed. So we, you know, we don't go into a technical conversation, but sometimes there's, there's money that comes from like qualified plans and non-qualified. So sometimes if you get money from outside sources, it creates a taxable event. And Uncle Sam gonna be like, hey, uh, I know that you got that money. Right. I need, I need my cut. Whereas with life insurance, they can't do that. And it becomes invisible to creditors. Right. Uh, we have a question actually from Miss uh, Stacey Ross Morrison. She asked, what is the difference between whole life and term life insurance, which is better and how should you decide which to purchase? That's a great question. So I will, I will answer the last part of the question first, do both. Um, there is no kind of decision and I'll tell you why. Term is, you'll see like your Dave Ramsey's, a lot of your financial gurus uh, will say buy term and invest a difference, which makes sense. Let me explain that. Term is like renting an apartment. You have a policy for a certain amount of time and for that amount of time, the rate doesn't change, the price doesn't change. And if something happens to you in that amount of time, they pay out the money that they said they're gonna pay out. It's a contract. Whole life, think about it like owning a home. You have it, but you can build equity, meaning that it can be worth more than what you bought it. And if you needed to, you can borrow against it. With the term policy, you can't do that. So the reason why I say both is depending on what stage you are in life, you might need a larger amount of coverage, but you might not be able to afford the amount that a whole life policy is. So if you do a combination of both, you have coverage for 10, 20, or 30 years, and then you have coverage that lasts up until 121 years. So the difference is the time that they, that they are, and then the time that they're created, and then the time that they end. Term is gonna end either in 10 years, 20 years, or 30 years. So let me correct that. It doesn't end, but it's gonna be 10, 20, 30 times more than what it was, where whole life, you can set it up to where it stays the same. Now, here's what I do with my athletes. There's also whole life policies where you can pay for a certain amount of time and never pay again, and your policy pays you for the rest of the time that is there. So that's why I say both. 
if uh, there, there's a combination of both where it's like you get what you what you you know what maybe you can afford to provide that protection but then you also know that with the term policy the insurance company is betting against you they're saying we know you're not going to nothing's going to happen to you in 30 years we're so confident we're going to give you this policy for little to no money because we know by the tables nothing's going to happen to you that's a it's a bet it's gambling um, so I have a question, a follow-up question from Dwayne about that. Um, do you get any of your money from term life if you don't uh, pass before it ends? Not a dime. That's why I said it's gambling. It, you, you get not a dime and they're betting against you. So in that, when that policy ends in you know, one of those 10, 20, 30 year periods, thank you for playing. So glad you're still alive. You can renew, but you're not going to get anything. Whereas a whole life, like I said, it's like renting a home, owning a home. If you don't know, you have something called equity. So you start to build value within that home. And especially you guys being in the Bay, you know, you know, that home starts to, starts to cost more than what it did 10, 15, 20 years ago. So that, that's, that's the difference. But to answer your question, no, you, you get nothing. Okay, thank you. Um, taking it back um, to what you mentioned before, um, residual income and making money in your sleep. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of our young people might want a, a little bit more of a definition of exactly what that means and, and how, how you can get that, how you can do that. Absolutely. And it, it's so it's ways to do that. Residual income, all that means is residual. You think about reside, you think about, you know, residence, think about that prefix. So you're there. But then the, the, the piece that, that kind of comes the back end of that word is it keeps happening. So the way that that happens as an insurance agent, if I happen to get someone a policy, they pay for that year. They pay whatever the amount is to the insurance company. The insurance company pays a commission. But each year they renew, I get that same commission every year in perpetuity. And for every year that they have it, as long as we're still in, you know, in contract doing business together, I get that, I get a portion of that a premium. So every year from every person, there's money coming in. Now for what I do in dealing with professional athletes and things, what happens is, is that it's, it's so many people kind of going to them and trying to get them for their business or what have you to that relationship stays in place and they don't like to change. So I don't, you know, year one, it's a lot of work, but year two, it's the same amount of money. Year three, same amount of money. Year four, year five, and year six. So things like real estate can do that for you, uh, like stocks, like, um, you know, things called annuities. So there's a number of different ways that you can get that residual income where the goal is, is that you're not working forever. You're building something that will still make money um, in your sleep. Got it. Thank you. Um, I have another question from Dwayne. Um, so how can people insure loved ones with whole life um, who have underlying illnesses? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. So there's a number of different ways that you can do this. So it depends on when you go for life insurance, they have to look at what's called underwriters. So when you guys are thinking about what are different careers? I will tell you this. Remember this word. For those who like math, and people say, I hate math. No, no, no. There's this uh, career. They're called actuaries. What actuaries do is they create 
all of the tables and kind of figure out how likely you something is to happen to you. And actuaries make no less than half a million a year. No less than half a million a year. And that's even an average level actuary. So to answer the question is, it just depends on what the conditions are. It's a contract. So they may exclude some things that are happening, but there are what's, what's called, you can, you can, there's called riders. So you can put different riders or you may not even look at a life insurance policy at all. You may even say, hey, here's an annuity that we can do that can pay out just like a life insurance where you don't have to take an exam where you, you, know, you can do things like that, depending on the condition. But it's condition specific, depends on what, what, what the ailment is, how long it requires an exam, but their life insurance may not be the fit if it doesn't fit into what, you know, what, um, what will be accepted. Okay, thank you. Um, so we've gotten into a lot of like really technical stuff, which is yeah. awesome and very useful. Um, for everyone here, including myself. Um, but taking another step back, um, just to get into like the career career exploration, college exploration for our young people, um, how did you choose um, Xavier University for college? And what was your experience like in high school and as a young person? Yeah, okay. So I'm gonna tell you all the truth. I chose Xavier for this music video. It was juvenile, back that thing up. And I was like, wherever that was, I'm going there. Now, let me tell y'all the backstory of that. <laughs> my uncle, uh, my family was from New Orleans. So I, I, I you know, kind of knew them, didn't really, didn't really know them uh, well enough to say I'm going there, but it was really a legacy piece for me. It was having roots, having my dad being from New Orleans. And so I can't, I, I credit Juvenile but I can't give them all the credit because as an 18 year old young man, that's, I was like, yeah, that, that's, that's where I'm going. But back in, back that up, you know, no pun intended, kind of going back when you think about, uh, you know, what, what was high school like? I mean, I went to, I started off at Dominguez High School, uh, really, really good with number one nation in basketball, great football team, whatever, but you know, it was hood. You know, so my high school, you know, I just, I'd have, I, I like, I would like to change being a 14 year old going to school with 18 year olds that, you know, was really, really like that. But my, my experience is great. It was all second generation, but in high school, um, I was able really to focus. I've always been kind of focused and I've always been, you know, kind of like a go-to person. I just knew what I wanted. Um, but, you know, I got into everything that you can imagine. You know, I got into all the normal stuff that that comes with with that environment. Now, to the degree of some, nah, but you know, a little more to others. Okay, that's acceptable. But uh, you know, it just it just kind of clicked for me. But I always had good grades because you know my mom wasn't having that. So no matter what happened, no matter what I did, no matter how much I ran with the homies, no matter what's going on, when that report card came, it better it better show. Um, so I was able to figure that out somehow. But uh, so I would say, just be disciplined, you know, just, I was very, very disciplined and okay, class time is class time, but as soon as that bell rang, we kicking it. But uh, in, in the meantime, we, you know, we, we got work to do. So um, I transferred schools my sophomore, my junior year. Well, I didn't transfer, I got kicked out. 
I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> so I got kicked out because uh, the principal lived, luckily the principal lived across the street from my, from my school. I got into a fight and he was like, hey, you can leave or you can leave. So I was like, okay, I'll leave. And I went to the school in another city in Long, you know, in the Long Beach area, completely, completely different from the environment that I was in. And I hated it. So I, you know, we were talking to one of the students, they were like, hey, I don't have many friends or what have you. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm you know, I can identify with that. But I think it was the best thing for me in a sense that it got me a way to kind of refocus. And uh, one thing I noticed, and I'm gonna get to the Xavier part, but one thing I noticed is that they only pushed colleges that fit a certain profile. And let me make that make sense. Y'all in California, y'all know everybody holds up the UC schools and will kind of like a Cal State, eh. you know, so it's, it, it was a lot of that. It was, it was UCLA, it was UC Davis, UC Berkeley. And if you weren't going there, eh, they didn't really provide any resources to you. And if you were, you know, an African-American student, they really didn't provide. And that was honor roll, all that stuff. So I always knew I wanted to go to historically black college and university. I just knew I was going to Atlanta, but uh, yeah, I chose Xavier just because a good friend of mine, this is crazy. He left and he had a lot of fun. So he, he was two years older than me and he came back one summer and was telling me about uh, his experience at Xavier. And I graduated two years before him. You figure he had a lot of fun. So, uh, and that, that's, that's how I, that's how I got to Xavier just in talking with him and doing my research and, you know, putting a lot of things family-wise together, like, okay, I want to, you know, kind of go to New Orleans. And that's what got me there. What city are you in now? I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So I'm about, uh, you yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm in, I'm in Louisiana now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are you based out of Oakland or? No, I'm, I'm, so I have office, my, I have my office in Dallas because I lived in Dallas for a long time. I have an office in LA, Florida, and I'm forgetting somewhere. But uh, so I'm usually traveling between, between you know one of those. Okay, so where where are you from? You know directly. Like, oh, I'm I'm from Compton. Okay, I didn't I, I didn't catch that. Oh, you from Compton? Yeah. All right, I'm make sure I watch my language. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Baby. It's all good. I know y'all say blood up there, man. I ain't yeah, no yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's love. It's love. Um, that's great, man. I just, I'm sorry I missed that part of the conversation. Like I said, I run a entire facility in my yeah, yeah, we good. abode. So, but yeah, that's great, man. Thank you, Max. Yeah. So, um, I want to see if any of our young people or anyone else in the meeting today have questions for our guest. Um, he obviously has so much knowledge about, about being successful and going to college, things like that. So I wanna see if anyone else has questions or even Dwayne, if you have any more questions. I'm sure Dwayne has. <laughs> Go ahead and hit that unmute button. <laughs> Thanks B for showing up. This was so insightful, just uh, a lot of questions. Uh, knowing you personally, I'm so yeah. proud of you and uh, all the things that you got going on and definitely thankful that uh, you're joining us today. I just really want you to talk about the purpose and the mission of the XUnopoly game. I think that's really cool. And so, uh, yeah, just tell us about that and how that works and the purpose and the mission behind your new business endeavors that you're doing. 
Okay, and I appreciate that. And then I got a question for uh, some of the students too. So, um, so basically, I talked about my passion. My passion really is to end the wealth gap. What's the wealth gap? The wealth gap says that for minority households, it's a 224 year difference. This has been going back to 20, 2016. That means that if nothing changes, let's say if the wages stay the same, it will take 224 years from the minority communities to close the gap with majority communities. 224 year gap. I'll say it again, 224 year. That bothers me. Uh, I'm, my hashtag that I'm doing is no student loans because we can't wait on any administration to kind of save it. So what I'm saying is that I felt like I love Monopoly growing up, but one thing I didn't like about Monopoly is it, in order to win the game, you have to bankrupt your opponent. So if I'm playing with my friends and family, it says in the rule, the game is over when you bankrupt. Why would I bankrupt my mom? Why would I bankrupt my brother? Why would I bankrupt my sister? That doesn't make sense to me in order to win a game. Then I started looking at HBCUs and you know what did it? They came out with this game called Comptonopoly. I'll never forget it. And I saw people wrapped around the corner at Walmart for this game. So the Walmart replaced the swap meet in Compton, which was full of small business owners. That's another topic. But I called the CEO. I'm like, hey, man, uh, I like this game. You know, what made you create it? Oh, we just wanted to do something. Well, you got the Watts Towers in Compton. That'll be like me putting something from Modesto in Oakland. He'd be like, that Modesto is not Oakland. It's just not the same. So he has some stuff that's like, you know, that just didn't make sense. And I was like, well, how did you do your research? He said, we didn't. We just Googled. Made me think, hey, well, they can Google that. What else can they Google? And I'm starting to see, I was like, well, how can we start to make donations? How can I teach financial literacy in a game? Because, you know, like I said, Monopoly was cool, but, you know, I got street repair. You pay $500 per house. That's great. But I, what if I don't even know how to own a house? What if I don't know some of these things? So I wanted to be able to, to teach, explain, and uh, do it in a fun way and pay homage to uh, Black colleges and, uh, you know, historic, uh, historically Black unit colleges and universities. So I created a game to do both. Um, you play it, you learn from it, and uh, we have terms like, you know, explaining what an ETF is, we're, we're breaking down trusts, we're breaking down stocks, IPOs, and things like that within the game. So when you play it, you're having those conversations that Tone just brought up. I mean, had he not had that experience with his mom, he probably wouldn't know that. And now he's planting that seed for somebody else. And that's all I really want to do is plant seeds and create an environment where student loans are optional because they handcuff you. And, uh, you know, you know, mortgage is no coincidence that mortgage and mortality have the same prefix, mort, meaning death. So if you don't have any debt, even mortgage that says good debt or what have you, but if you can pay out that house cash and not have a mortgage, you're in a different ballgame and you can do more for your community. Nice, thank you. Um, so Ms. Stacy Ross Morrison, um, can you, or she wants you to please repeat the name of the game and how can we all get our hands on it? Yeah, no, that's awesome. Thank you. It's a XUopoly. I'm going to do one for every HBCU. So XU dash 
O-P-O-L-O-P-O-L-Y. So um, their website, and I'll put in the chat, is 11, the word, 24, the number, creative.com. And I'll, and I'll drop it in the chat um, as well. But, uh, you know, we'll check it out. And remember, and each game purchase, we make a donation back to the university in the year that they were founded. So for example, Xavier is founded in 1925, we make a $19.25 $19 donation back to the school uh, for every game purchase in the person's name. So you get to write that off in your taxes. That's Thank awesome. Um, does anyone else have any questions or, or comments, anything for our guests today? If, I'm, if they don't, I, I have some questions too, so. Oh, nice. Well, shoot your questions. Yeah. All right. So let me ask y'all this. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking, who's give me your 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 top five singers right now? And drop them in the chat. Who's like the best singers? Okay. So I got Meg, Cardi. Those are not singers. <laughs> we'll just say entertainers. <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll say entertainers. Yeah, not JJ yeah. Icefist. What JJ is that? All right. Yeah, so. they, they don't <laughs> sing. You know, they don't sing. They rap. They MCs. There's a difference. So I got four. I got Meg. I got Cardi. Who else we got? If you already drop one, go ahead and drop one. We're, we're going somewhere with this. Okay. You just say MC, MC Light. Light. <laughs> Can I just say it? Can I just say them? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Go ahead. Um, Janae Iko. Yep. Um, Jacquees. Yep. Daniel Caesar. Jacquees. That's um. Chris Brown, Summer Walker. Okay, got it. So let's say you were going, you could have, you could have an album, but you had to, you had to pay, you had to pay for them to get on. So you can get a feature. You got your name, Meg, Cardi, Chris, and let's say they were each a thousand dollars each. So let's say five. So we agree that that's five thousand dollars. We know it'll be more, but for the example, that's five thousand dollars, right? So if you could put your favorite five artists for a thousand dollars on one track, would you do it? Yes. Okay. What if I said that you can call them a group and pay two thousand dollars? Would you do it? Uh, yeah. Like, which one, yeah. Which one would you rather? Would you rather pay five or would you rather pay two? Two thousand. I just explained what an ETF is. What an exchange, what exchange, exchange fund that's traded or exchange traded fund. Mm. That's all it is. You take your top five stocks. Now, like I'm saying, I wanted to show you guys the example to break it down. It's not hard. You guys are, are genius enough to do it. You take your five, top five stocks, your Apple, your Tesla, your, you know, uh, AMD, your, you can even put a Pfizer in there. And instead of buying them individually, you can buy them in one and you can buy them cheaper. So as if we're using this group with Meg, Cardi, Chris, Janae, uh, Jacquees, and as they start going up the charts, then your portfolio grows. That's all an ETF is. So, that's what we're doing in this game. We're just breaking it down to its simplest terms where you can understand it because you guys are smart enough to understand it. Wow. That was deep. 
<laughs> I, I I would never have thought to look at it that way. So solid, man. It's packaging, man. We, we the, the information is there, man. I want everybody to win. And it's not about the money. It's about what it allows you to do. And you know, being being financially free enough to where the people who come after you don't have they hustle as hard, but they hustle differently. Right. But the hustle is still the hustle, right? It's still the hustle. You got you got to get it. It's just different. Max? Nice. So let's see. We have uh, one more question from Stacey Ross Morrison. And then I'm going to wrap it up and give you an opportunity to show your video and kind of chat with the students a little bit. Um, So Stacey wants to know, what about the apps where you can buy part of a stock? Is that worth it? Yes. To get in and understand. So Acorn, uh, Robinhood. They're called, uh, oh yeah, I like that. Uh, they're called the uh, fractional shares. So if you can have that is fun. that has to be my plan doing that. Is that mine or what? Okay. Uh, I know that song too, which is crazy. But uh, yeah, they're called fractional shares. You can own parts of a share, you know, parts of a company to get started. Um, stocks is one thing. That's one way to do it. Uh, but there are a number of other kind of micro investments. So the answer to the question, yes, I would absolutely do fractional shares, parts of a share of a company. Then start to look at smaller whole shares, meaning that if you don't have enough money to go buy a Berkshire Hathaway, which is like $175,000 a share, you know, purchase one that's about, uh, what's that company name? It's a, um, I'm drawing a blank, but it's one that's like $13 a share. Just find the one, study the companies though, because leadership is everything. And uh, Dwayne will, will, will attest to this. Leadership is everything. So if, you know, the leader is not smart, not savvy, not knowledgeable, then the company will follow. So you can find smaller whole shares. If I had to pick, I'd say get a whole share of a company that's rising, that's run, as opposed to a fractional of a bigger company, then get the big shares. That's just me. I'm not, you know, an, an investor uh, or giving any stock advice. That's just my perspective. But I love the fact that you're thinking that way and you have all the tools, uh, you know, to, to, to do so. I got to say, Joyce, you are a bona fide gangster. I'm just looking at the chat. You know, this is just... She really got she got some savvy in her. I love it. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Just but I understand exactly what you're saying as well. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, She's just, like, oh, that must not have been meant for everybody. But no, nah, <laughs> it's all good. I, I love the mindset because that's what it takes when you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. Nobody wakes you up in the morning and tells you that you get up. You're not clocking in. You're not doing anything. But I will say this: entrepreneurship is the fun word now, where everybody want to jump into it. Right, it took right. me, ten, you know, years to get to that point because, you know, I had to save in the background and really understand what I was doing. Now, if that's not, you know, that's not everybody's path, but make sure that you're thinking about it because people will say entrepreneurs, but you have to know, I think it's a stat I saw that's like 94% of businesses are single person businesses. Right. That's, that's a sales job. We're talking about building companies. Right. You know, and you guys are close enough to to Silicon Valley to to know and see what that's like. We're talking about building 
companies that mm -hmm. we can own and sell and employ people. Because I would say the one of the best things, kind of going back, one of the best things about, I you know that I think one of the other things that I love is that I get to take somebody that may may have been passed up talent level that you know may have a record, may have whatever, and say, hey, I see some skills in you. Let's 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 go on this journey together and put them in a position to where they're able to make more money than they would where they felt like they were kind of pigeonholed into to one industry. Right. I think one of the things as educators, you know, for me, Maggie, Duane, also Stacy as well, I think what we're trying to teach is to teach our children how to work together, you know? Yes. When, you compete, you, when you're in a competing essence and you're competing, you're really just competing for yourself. Uh, but when you work together, you can actually make real change in the world. And uh, I'm thinking that's what our children need to understand. Uh, you know, we're in a competitive situation right now with this COVID-19 and being at home and, you know, everybody's competing to be the best or trying to find a way to do the best. But if we just work together, this thing can actually make real change. So that's huge. I would say this is that, uh, I've, you know, I, I've done nothing on my own. I try to work with as many people and learn from as many people and get coaching and reach out to as many people as I absolutely can, because it's one thing to go through it yourself, which there'll be some things you got to do, but there's another thing to learn lessons from somebody else. But if you got your homeboy, he good at this. Oh, well, you know, you, oh, you can draw on my game. Yes, sir. That my boy. Oh, you can draw. Hey, cool. I need you to uh, help me with this design. Oh, you know how to do websites. Cool. Bet you're on the team. Oh, you know how to do audio stuff. Yeah. Come and, and it's just a collaborative effort because you got everything you got, you everything you need, you already have. Everybody that you need or will need, you already know. Amen. And as you go, that team just keeps growing, but it's a true team. Yes, sir. Teamwork. Awesome. I love that. I was just about to write that quote in the chat. Everything you need, you already have. You just got to tap into your resources. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess we're going to end the interview. Um, so again, we can have time to have some, some chat time with the young people and have you show your video. Um, but thank you so much for joining us in today's uh, Legit Money Club meeting. Um, is there anything else that you want to promote or any last words you want to say? No, just, you know, I guess just salute to, to you all who do the work day in and day out. Um, I'm I'm in admiration of you all because and, and young people understand the investment that's being made in you. Don't take it for for granted and lightly. I mean, I've been there before. I've been I probably would have been the one in the Zoom chat clowning in the chat like, man, this dude, shut up. But uh, no, and I appreciate your attention. But seriously, you know, Tone, Dwayne, Maggie, I, I think that uh, the work that you do is honorable, and it is more. It's a labor of love, but you guys are doing as much if not more to shape the thought process of the next generation um, than you know the, the people that you see on TV because you guys are ground floor doing the work. So those moments when it gets tired and tiring and, and you know seeming not rewarding, know you got people like me that are cheering you on and uh, willing to help you. So salute to, to you all. Thank you so much for that, brother. Thank you. Yeah, we, appreciate it. we appreciate it. This, this work is not easy. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, yeah. we try to make it look easy, and but it really isn't. And you know, I'm just thankful for the team that I have. We've been doing this podcast situation for like almost nine months now, 
since the pandemic started, uh, that was the only reason we started is because of this pandemic, you know, we would have never had this without this. So I'm upset in the situation we're in, but I'm actually grateful. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword, you know? So yep. yeah, yeah, man. We thank you though. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Mags, you want to end it out? All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for today's Legit Money Club meeting. Um, hopefully we can have more awesome guests like Mr. Brandon Weber in the future. Thank you so much again, Brandon, for joining us. And we'll see you all next week at the Legit Money Club. See you later. Thank you.